It's just a public service announcement. Hello, Americans. It is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. What up, what up, what up? It's been a minute. I know I keep telling y'all that I am going to do better about recording this podcast. Yeah, that's not happening. So I was supposed to record this last week. It's been almost a week. Saturday, it rained from sunup to sundown in Atlanta. And I told myself, all right, you got all day. Might as well record a podcast, get it out the way, prepare for the next week. For the next podcast, so you can get back on a weekly track. Well, here we are uh, on Wednesday. So by the time y'all hear this, it'll be Thursday. But yeah, I didn't record between Saturday and Wednesday. So now we have more topics than we had on Saturday. You know, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine, guys. It's okay. Clearly, this podcast is a dumpster fire. If you have been listening from the very first episode and you have not said to yourself, what the hell is going on over there? then I appreciate you. But I'm just letting y'all know, this is truly a dumpster fire. Partly because I see stuff and I'm like, oh, that would be perfect for the podcast. Let me write it down. I don't write it down. And then I'm trying to remember where I saw it. The other half is I'll sit in the bed and write out a whole episode and don't sit down and record it. So this is like an accountability thing. So if anybody wants to be my accountability partner, I mean, really, it's it's only going to take like you hammering me via text message of like, did you record yet? Do you have an outline yet? That's all it's going to take. Like somebody to just be like, girl, please do your job. But since it's been so long, we got quite a few things to talk about. Um, First of all, somehow every time I sit down to record this podcast, Nick Cannon and Tyler Perry are in the news. It's almost like the sun and the moon aligns and then I report record the podcast the sun being either nick cannon or tyler perry and the moon being the other one and then i record the podcast i don't know why they keep happening but probably if i have recorded seven episodes six of those episodes we have talked about one of those people if not both and it's typically good news on tyler perry's behalf knock on wood can't say the same about nick cannon it just keeps circling back to foolishness every single time i think the last time i recorded he was like, he had some fake dreadlocks or something going on. He was somewhere between Jimmy Butler and Lil Baby by the head. It was something, I don't, I can't remember if it was two strand twist or if it was dreadlocks. I remember it not being his hair. That was the last time we talked about Nick Cannon. Um, the most recent update, so we all know Nick Cannon got 511 kids, all right? So like, this is no surprise to anybody. He has gone through the, oh, I'm going to therapy. Oh, I'm going to be celibate. All the lies, obviously, that has not happened because he just keeps having kids. As of like yesterday, I don't know who he said this to because I don't have the energy to keep going to read up about what the hell Nick Cannon has going on and why this keeps happening. But 
it's been circulating online that he says he wants to have a baby with Taylor Swift. I don't know how we got here. I, I really don't know. I don't know how we got here. And also, it's turning into one of those situations where, you know how, like, Kanye, we keep saying, like, who the fuck keeps giving Kanye a live mic and asking him questions? Nick Cannon is borderline. I'm starting to feel that way. Like, why do we keep opening this door for these things to come out of his mouth? If we stop giving him the platform to say these things, maybe it'll stop. I don't know. I also don't know why, of all fucking people, Taylor Swift, I have no idea how we got, that is so like, have they even crossed paths? Like they, I don't, to my knowledge, they have not worked together. I don't know a single song that either one of them have been on for each other. You know, Nick Cannon is also a, a rapper, I think, or sometimes he do something with music and then she's been on several shows, but I don't think she's been on any of his show. This don't make sense. And I'm not about to do the math to make it make sense. If y'all know what happened, don't tell me. I don't really care. Moving on. Tyler Perry, we're going to talk about a little bit later. But I just said that to say, I don't know how we keep having episodes where those two people are the topic of conversation. Because before this this podcast, I don't really think, honestly, I'm not like a super fan of either one. Like, yeah, I've watched things that both of them have produced. But I'm not like, ooh, let me go be front row of this new Tyler Perry movie. Absolutely not. Uh, to be quite honest, most of the time when his stuff is on TV, I change the channel because I have varying opinions about Tyler Perry. I'm proud of him and how he has he went from being homeless to where he is today, but he's just not my cup of tea when it comes to like the things he produced. Anyway, we we'll talk about him later. Um, yeah, it's been so long. I don't know if I remember the segments of this show. Yeah, I don't know. I think the last episode, it was like a rant. I didn't follow the outline. Okay, anyway, let me see. Let me go back in my notes. What did I used to talk about on here? Oh, okay, okay, okay. So what I have watched. Well, uh, much better than last time. Last episode, I told y'all I haven't watched a single thing, and it was very true I haven't. But I watched a few things between then and now. I mean, I should have. I think it's like a month apart at this point. Anyway, um, The Night Agent. If you have not watched The Night Agent, I don't know why. Because I told you to. I told you to go watch it at least twice. That shit is probably the best show on Netflix in quite some time. Now, this is a Netflix-produced show from the start. So we're talking like back in the day, like, you know, House of Cards, uh, Orange is the New Black, those types of shows. It is that level. Let's hope they don't fumble the bag. Because we all know Netflix go to doing too much at one time and then all of a sudden you get two or three great seasons and things just start to like fall apart I wonder I think that is because they start trying to do too many things at once but it also could be related to y'all know they have like this uh weird I don't want to say weird it's a unique way of having associates um you can only be employed at Netflix for so long before you have to leave like when you get hired there's a set contract. I think it's like four years, four or six years. And then you have like, it, it's not an option. It's automatic termination. That's their way of keeping like ideas and things fresh. Maybe that's what be happening. I don't know. Like maybe a large portion of the writer's room get hired at the same time. And so they all kind of let go at the same time. And then you start off with a whole new set of people who like don't have history on the show. Maybe that's what be taking place over there. 
I don't know. Hopefully they don't do this to the night agent because when I say this is good, like I need season two now. I I honestly hate that I watched it because I wish I had waited to let it build up a little bit so that I could binge more. Um, and they did a good job of like not playing with the episodes. Y'all know sometimes they like to give you two or three here and there. They little sprinkle, sprinkle like regular cable TV. If I wanted to watch regular cable TV, I would do that. So I, it really upsets me when like Netflix or Hulu, Peacock, when they drag out episodes. Like if I wanted to do that, I would just watch, you know, YouTube TV or direct TV. I come to Netflix because I have time to actually watch a show from start to finish. So I appreciate that they didn't do this with Night Agent. Now, that being said, this show has gotten like a lot of attention so that it might turn into them dragging out season two because they did this with The Circle. The very first season of The Circle, they gave us the whole season. Everybody binged it and was blowing it up. And then all of a sudden, they started dripping the episodes. And I think they did the same thing with Love is Blind, which, by the way, I don't know why the hell that's even still on TV. The internet is in fucking shambles about that show. Every It doesn't matter what social media I open, I see something about Love is Blind. How are y'all still watching this and being entertained? I, because I, I can't do it. I can't, at this point, first of all, I never finished the first season because I just couldn't get, it didn't make sense then. Now I feel like the episode that I have seen between the first season and whatever season this is, I don't know if it's three or four, I feel like the producers are, it's no longer a reality show. And I know reality TV is also somewhat scripted, but I feel like this is so set up to get the reactions that they're getting because we've, we've had a season where somebody, a person has been like saying things that made you wonder if they were abusive. A couple of people have said and done things to make you wonder if they have mental illnesses. It's getting out of hand because almost like Married at First Sight. Married at First Sight, they are staging the drama on purpose to get people to watch. I think Love is Blind is a very close contender of doing the exact same thing. And I don't know why people like keep going back to this show. Those two shows, The Ultimatum, and it's another Netflix like relationship show where they be doing wild shit. Oh, Too Hot to Handle. All of that just let it go. Can we just please let these shows die? I don't, this, this cannot be the new way to find love. Like I would believe it if they were not trying to set up and trying to stage so much foolishness. This season of love is blind has so much foolishness. I again have not seen a single episode, but somehow I have managed to see all of the explosive clips because they are all over the internet. People are getting like famous on TikTok from reenacting some of the things on this season of Love is Blind. There is one guy, he has gone viral from pretending to be the cameraman from this season. What the fuck are we doing? Like, why Why is this a thing? Anyway, um, so yeah, Love is Blind is out. Apparently the internet loves it. I, I can't do it. I won't do it. If y'all still watching it, great. Meanwhile, go watch The Bite Agent. Much better TV show actually scripted, actually produced properly. No crazy love interests. Well, yeah, kind of, but not like the love is blind and ultimatum type level of crazy love interest. But the night agent reminds me of if you take the best things about designated survivor, scandal, and house of cards and put them together, you get the night agent. Like 
it's some shit that I feel like could happen in real life. Nobody is to be trusted. It took probably the fourth or fifth episode to get to the bottom of who was actually a normal government official and who was actually a part of the conspiracy that was taking place. It wasn't until either late episode nine or early episode 10 that it was very clear on what was actually happening. I'm about to drop a huge spoiler. So if you have not watched it, this is your chance to pause and come back in like the next three to five minutes. Okay. So they ended up trying to assassinate the president, right? That was never like the setup or anything in the plot was related to assassinating the president until like the ninth, 10th episode. Like it was about to go down when they finally like revealed that's exactly what was going to take place. When the vice president's daughter, I don't want to say kidnapped because she pissed me off. I, she ran away and then ended up in the wrong situation at the wrong time. It was her fault. She she was technically by definition kidnapped. But it was one of those like, I'm supposed to be with the Secret Service agent, but I'm going to trick them to get away from them to go be with this guy that I think is cool. But really, he trying to get information out of me. So he's actually just going to sleep with me to get the information. But meanwhile, plot twist, his boyfriend slash roommate shoots him in the neck and takes me. Okay, like, if we rewind that, right? And I know this is, like, borderline victim blaming. So fucking be it. This is a TV show. Bite me, okay? This girl was rebellious from the very beginning. It makes sense in the end as to why. I won't get out of the way if y'all haven't watched it. But she was problematic from the start because you had a super cool Secret Service agent. Like, you and this person, y'all, like, this, like, big sister, little sister energy, you could have just told her, like, hey, sis, I'm trying to go hook up with old boy. Can you just give me a minute? No, you going to dip out on her. You have no fucking way of calling for help because you don't remember to take your goddamn panic button knowing you the vice president's daughter and you going to run out. Like, she pissed me off. She pissed me off. Rose, which is like the, I don't know if she's the main character or the supporting whatever. She on every episode in every other scene, but... Technically, Peter is the main character. Anyway, fuck it. Rose pissed me off because, okay, if you only have two family members alive, those two family members get killed and you witnessed it. Why is your first question, why do I have to put this on? Like, when she was rescued, they was trying to help her change clothes. One, because the people that killed her family were not captured. They saw her face. They were coming for her ass. So you need to change your identity. Two, again, you just witnessed the murder and you just ran for your life. You probably, you know, sweaty. You might have peed on yourself. There is no telling what could have happened to you in the pro. Like if you truly scared running for your life and your family just killed, your body is reacting in ways that you haven't even thought of. Why the fuck are you asking the FBI agent why you got to put on these clothes? Or why are you asking him, who is he? Girl, didn't you call me to ask for help? Like, I'm here to help you. You literally called me. She was asking so many dumbass questions and always just in the fucking way, running around talking about, you can't trust this person, you can't trust that person, which that, that panned out to be true, but it's not like she knew who the fuck she could and couldn't trust. Also, it took way too long for her 
to fall in love with Peter. They set that shit up from the very first episode, which I knew that's where that was going. I don't know if we actually needed that. This could this show could have survived without a single love interest at all, to be quite honest, because they little relationship season two. I don't give a fuck about Rose. I want to know where the hell y'all dropped Peter ass off at. Y'all turned y'all gave him this this confidential ass iPad and showed us a glimpse that showed that said that he's the night agent and his ass got on a private plane. Y'all told him uh he won't know where he's going till he get there. Well hell, I want to know. I mean, y'all could tell him in season two, but I want to know where the fuck y'all dropped Peter ass off at and what he about to do. Because sounds like he need to be back at the in the United States in Washington, D.C. to save the fucking president again, because if it wasn't for him, her ass would have been dead. So, again, I got several questions. I had several questions throughout the entire season one of this show. None of that shit was answered until like episode four, maybe five. And then I had an additional set of questions. Say I had 36 questions between episode one and three. I probably got 25 answers by episode five. And then by the end of episode five, I had 37 more questions after that that did not get answered until probably the last scene of fucking episode 10. That's how good this shit is. I don't know who the fuck wrote this show. Keep it up. Moral of the story, Netflix, if if y'all still doing a little, we fire people after like, you know, a hot five seconds, hold on to the writer's room for the night, the night agent, because they did a damn good job. We need to run this shit back. At least seven seasons, okay? Because we do we have any political shows on TV right now other than this? Maybe The Oval, but I don't know if that's still on, and I honestly didn't watch that. Also, the person that wrote it is a little skeptical, so I, it probably wasn't good. Yeah, this might be this might be the only political show that's on right now. I don't know. Y'all let me know if it's another political show that I'm not thinking of, but again... The night agent had me hot. It had me hot. Also, this is my last comment about this. I know I told people to go away for three minutes and come back. It's been like a smooth 10. That's not the point. The people who were hired, the hit man and hit woman that were hired, I don't know what the hell that storyline was. Okay, that is fine. I understand we need a hit man and hit woman in this scenario for several reasons. Obviously, we needed several hit people, to be honest, to carry out what they were trying to do. But both of them ended up dead. So I don't get why we needed to know that this man had erectile dysfunction. This woman wanted a family with a baby. Any other backstory, to be honest, I don't know why we needed any of that backstory if they was just going to die. Like, unnecessary ass scenes a couple of unnecessary ass scenes and if you've seen it you know exactly what i'm talking about like i didn't need to see that i didn't need to know that that's what was going on between them as far as all i needed to know was these motherfuckers was out here trying to kill rose and peter at every red light in dc that's all i needed to know the rest of this did not need it other than that the show is smooth nine out of ten it might be a ten out of ten if they don't fumble the bag but right now i'm giving it a nine out of ten smooth nine out of ten if you need something to watch Yep, The Night Agent. You got 10 episodes, and you probably can blow through that shit in about two days. If if I wasn't trying to pace myself, I could have finished that in probably a day. It is that damn good. Okay, so the next thing I watched, I had to go back on the fucking PA Instagram to find out what I watched. That's how well I prepared for this. My name is Monique. Now, I wrote about this. If you have not read what I wrote on Instagram, 
just take my advice. Like, don't go watch this. Save yourself. I don't know how many minutes it was. But if I could get that time back in life, I would. That's how bad this was. Monique is unhinged. And I'm not saying that to be funny, but some something is not. And it, I'm also not saying that to align with her first joke. Something ain't right. I said this on Instagram, but it was a smooth, like, 25 minutes in before I even, like, <laughs> and it wasn't even a real laugh. It was like, oh, huh, I probably would have did that, too. After that, I'm positive I did not laugh again. That shit is so bad. She spent about 30 minutes telling us how her mom is, was, I'm not sure if her mom is still alive, illiterate, and how she was in special needs. I don't know if I believe any of the shit Monique said in this stand-up. A lot of this was supposed to be like, um, like, my name is Monique. Let me tell you about the inner me. Or let me tell you about things you don't know about me, right? It's almost like, let me pull the curtain back so you can get an idea of who Monique is as a person. I don't know if we got that. This was not funny. It was several things in there that didn't make sense. She broke down crying like twice. Somebody pointed out to me, they was like, she was sweating so bad. From the start of that special until the end. And she was like pouring sweat. It was so bad. Her edges were starting to like revert back. Like if you if you ever seen a black woman have her hair straight. And then they go outside in the summertime. And by the end of the day it started to curl back up. Her, that, her hair looked like she had been outside in like Alabama heat. For a smooth three to four hours. She was on a stage. In a building that I'm sure had air conditioner. Because the audience. Oh, speaking of the audience. The audience was not sweating. It was cringe. Every time the camera turned to the audience, I was like, oh, shit. They did not look like they was having fun. I don't know how much them tickets cost, but I would I would have wanted a refund. Several people was, like, visibly concerned. Like, eyes just wide. Mouth just open. Like, like what the fuck is happening right now? She addressed... Why she calls her husband daddy? I don't think I. I don't think it was enough information. Like what what she gave wasn't enough, and we've known Monique to have been doing this for quite some time. Like it came out during that Netflix Lee Daniel situation that she would refer to her husband, who was also her manager, as daddy in like business meetings. She kind of glossed over. I think she said some shit like, "Cause he the man that's raising me." I don't know it. Again, y'all, something ain't right. Something ain't right, and I'm not being funny, but for real. She talked about all of that, but she did not address how the fuck, in 2020, she said for us to boycott Netflix, and then here we are in 2023, she on the stage for Netflix, talking about my name is Monique. I want the details, Monique. That's what you should have gave us. I only watched this because I was hoping you were going to tell me what happened in this conversation. Did you or did you not get two for 40 mil like Chappelle? That's all I want to know. I know the answer is no, but I want to know what the number is. Because the way she showed out in 2020 about she would never do a Netflix stand-up unless they give her the same 
type of value as Dave Chappelle or the same type of value as Amy Schumer. Girl, based off of my name is Monique, DC Young Fly make more money than what you should have got for that damn my name is Monique special. I don't know what the hell. And who who produced it? Well, okay. Because the more I think about this, it probably makes sense. Her damn husband probably was the one that wrote the show. And this adds up because I don't... These are two people that maybe they love each other. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't care. But I'm damn sure they don't need to be working together. Like, he don't need to be involved on any of her business adventures. Just be the husband. You can be the house husband. You can be the public husband for all I care. I don't give a shit. But you don't need to be managing Monique. If this is the production of Monique under your management, she need another manager. Because that shit was not right. I've also been watching, what the hell is that show called? Queens of R&B? SWV and Escape? I don't know what order that go in. It might be SWV and Escape, Queens of R&B, or it might be Queens of R&B, SWV and Escape. Y'all know who the fuck I'm talking about. On Bravo, which I thought was a product of Andy Cohen, which actually is a product of Mona Scott, which I don't know. Has she ever had a show on Bravo? I thought, ain't she the loving hip-hop lady? I thought she was on, what is that, VH1? And Andy held down Bravo. Either way, another set of foolishness. Now, back before I launched the PA, there was a show on BET called Encore, which was essentially the foundation of this show. Encore didn't do the numbers that the Queens of R&B is doing. And I think, I'm I'm 90% sure Mona took what she saw from Encore and just picked better people. Encore, they took Cherish, Total, Danity Kane. It's another group. It's another female R&B group from the 90s. They took like four female R&B groups and put them all in a house. The plan was for them to make an album as a collective unit and produce one concert show now anybody with common sense anybody who has lived long old enough to be you know older than the age of like 10 knows that when you put too many women together to put anything together and produce something shit gonna go left somebody's gonna end up mad somebody's gonna want to be queen b Somebody gonna lollygag. Actually, you know what? Let me correct myself. Not not necessarily just a group of women. This is a group of people in general because I this just triggered me back to my college days of group projects. Anytime you put more than three people together to come up with something with a deadline, it's always some shit. Somebody not gonna show up on time. Somebody didn't do their part. Somebody thinks they're the manager of the group. Like, it's just all, there's so many characteristics that float when you get this many people involved. In this particular instance for Encore, it turned into like Bad Girls Club while they were trying to produce, you know, their album or whatever. Cherish, which I don't even remember their real name because somebody on there kept calling them freaking frack. Cherish is like two twins. Um, Is that Cherish? Yeah, I think that's Cherish, right? Hold on. Yeah, Fallon and Felicia. 
Those were the two from Cherish. The other two was not on the show. It was just Fallon and Felicia. Those two, one of them wanted to produce every song and the other one wanted to sing all the lead parts and everybody else was back up. She just, she thought that she was fucking Beyonce and everybody else was Kelly and Michelle. That, it was given very much that energy. So they kept getting into it with other people. Uh, what's old girl name that just got into it with Chris Brown a couple weeks ago? Everybody always make fun of her because she has like a list. She was on, she was supposed to be like the, um, the Wrangler, if you will. She was causing drama. She was trying to be the uh, creative art director. She thought she was like, I don't know, Kanye or something. It it was a mess, okay? My point of saying all that is Mona took the foundation from that, went to Bravo, grabbed SWV and Escape, and was like, hey, let's make a season or a show. I don't know if it's going to be renewed. I personally think it should be renewed because I, I like mess. But let's take these two groups, give them a season to produce a tour together, and let's, you know, let's see how it goes. You know, in theory, you know, surface level, this sounds like a great-ass idea. So, okay, y'all know what? <laughs> That's hilarious. I just got a text message from somebody that said, you got to do a podcast episode about the Freaknik documentary. That's on my list. We're going to get there. Anyway, so on the surface level, putting SWB and Escape together sounds, you know, like pretty decent idea. Personally, I think, Escape could use a whole fucking season by themselves based on the information that we saw from this season, but we're going to get there. Um, This started off, you know, very cordial between the two groups. It was messed internally on Escape's behalf. A whole lot of shit then came out since this, this show launched. So let's, let's just go ahead and break it down between the two groups. Um, Escape came out the bag flipping out. Like, oh, girl. Tasha and Tamika just over here fighting back and forth about one stole the other one money. One, the husband has been getting money on the side off of escape and they just found out. This turned into an argument online like three weeks ago between the two sisters fighting via social media with these iOS press releases about who said what, who did what. Let me let me figure out which one. I think it's Tamika that's been stealing the money. Hold on. Tamika is the one that her money has been being stolen. It's Tasha. That's the problem. So Tasha and Tamika are biological sisters. They're the only two people that's related in the group. This is for the people who don't know who the fuck Escape is, which a good part of my audience may not. I barely know who they are. If it wasn't for Kiva, I probably wouldn't know who they are for real because this was before my time. Anyway. Tamika apparently has been stealing the royalty checks from Tasha. So they go have this family meeting at their mama house. For whatever reason, the dinner table seems to be the place where black people like to show out. Now, let's just pull over for a second. I say that and some of y'all like, nah, nah, that ain't true. Okay, let, let's run it back real quick. Let's run it back. So them two showed out at the dinner table. We've had several reality TV shows. Old girl was like, I'm shaking the table that uh, at the dinner table. Uh, Scrappy and his mama had a whole fight in a restaurant. And then if we want to go, you know, scripted TV. Empire, every other episode, they was fighting at the dinner table. Like that, people like to, you know, 
be cool, calm, and collected until we sit down and break bread. And all of a sudden, oh, I'm full. Let me let me get some off my chest real quick. That's what took place over here. So they went to their mama house. You would think, you know, mama gonna be the nice mediator. She's not gonna pick sides. Well, newsflash, mama pick sides. Okay. So with that being said, um, that did not end well. Tamika ended up basically yelling at both of them, telling her mom, like, you've always picked her over me. You always had a favor. Her mom was like offended by it. It's very obvious that her mom does side with the other sister. Episodes go by. Tamika, like, you know, that's my mom. Let me try to make up with her and make things right. So she invited her mom over. They supposed to be going to talk about it. her mom is still siding with the sister, which to me baffles the literal fuck out of me. Because if I stole money from my sibling and they go call our mom, who, who is deceased, but if fictional, right? They go call our mom. My mom would have been like, okay, so what really happened? Like, do you have the money? Like she would have pressed the issue. Who's telling the truth? Like y'all are siblings figured out, make up. No, 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 no. This mama was like, you need to calm down. That's your sister. You don't need to be put her on blast like that. Like who? Like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know how much money sister girl stole, but you got a smooth thousand dollars steal from me, and I'm pressing charges. Like I don't, I don't care. Like that. That's just what it is. So that's mess number one. Mess number two come in. Uh, Latasha, we just gonna name her Messy. Messy then decided she gonna break off from the group to go do a gospel album. I don't know how you're doing a gospel album and you cussing your sister out on Instagram simultaneously. Who buying that? Like, who is buying this? So she does that, right? Mind you, all of this is happening while they're trying to plan this tour with SWV. So they get together, both groups trying to talk through, you know, uh, wardrobe, location, all that stuff, like the logistics of the tour. Every time they take a vote on something, this heifer, she nah, they don't sit right with me, or I'll have to pray about it. Girl, if you don't pick a red or a blue shirt and sit down, but we don't have time for this. Time is limited. You being an asshole, dragging out stuff. Okay, come to find out what really was happening was every time something would come up, she trying to run it by her husband. Okay, initially, I'm thinking this is giving that Monique shit. Like, is he controlling every single thing you do? And and where the fuck he come from? Because you the one with the talent. So, like, please explain to me how he has to say so over any of this. All right. Well, it later on comes out. Well, he's actually getting a cut off of everything that Escape does because he is working with a specific promoter who is giving him kickback from every time that they promote for Escape. But they're not telling the rest of the group this. So that turns into an argument. This whole show literally is highlighting the scandals that take place in these girl groups and boy groups. I know we don't have like the male version of this, but it's just highlighting like how people undermine in these types of situations. It is a fucking mess. If you like reality TV and mess, I think it's a smooth seven episodes from episode one. Yep. You're going to get your life because I initially turned this on and was folding clothes. Like, Oh, this about to be just a little background noise. I can go on and do what I'm doing. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't sat down to pay attention because they was arguing within like the first 15 minutes. The end of the season, they end up doing a tour or whatever, but they end up having beef with SWV, which I think now has been like reconciled, but it just went from the two sisters fighting to trying to make up to fighting again. And, and people was like picking sides over who was right and who was wrong between Latasha and Tamika. But in my opinion, Tamika is is the bigger person in this because I would have pressed charges a long time ago about my royalty money. 
And then I would not be sitting up here trying to make up with you when I know you stealing from the group, which I am a part of. Like, it's one thing if you're going to steal from the group and you're going to tell your sibling, like, hey, yo, just letting you know, I'm getting like 6% off of this. She stole from the group. And technically, she stole from you twice, if we think of it, like, for real. So, yeah. Queens of R&B, SWV, and Escape. Y'all go watch uh, if you like reality TV mess. The next thing that I have watched is uh, Unprisoned, which is on Hulu. That So this is from Onyx Collective. If you remember the very first episode of the PA, I talked about Onyx Collective, which is a branch uh, under Disney, ABC, Disney. I don't know who owns who. I think Disney owns them. Um, it's a branch under Disney specifically for creators of color. Honest Collective have been producing pretty decent content. Reasonable Doubt was like really, really good. Unprison is like, okay. The problem I have, I don't understand. Do they not have marketing budget? Because every time something come out, we don't find out until the shit is on Hulu. Like I don't, there has not been a single ad on none of the 17 different social media apps. I have not seen a single ad related to this and honestly if i didn't follow onyx collective on instagram i don't know if i would have known this was coming out anyway this is uh carrie washington this is a show produced by her she is the lead actress in the show it is a bit triggering if you have any type if you have any type of uh complicated relationship with a parent this show can be triggering it is specifically about a woman who she has a son and her dad has been in and out of prison her whole life. So he is, in this season, he is out of prison. And he's telling her the same things that he's always told her, which is like, that was the last time I'm out for good or whatever. Well, she's now fully grown. I, they don't really give her age, but if I had to guess, somewhere between like 35 and 45. She's fully grown. So she don't believe him, right? So she like trying to go on with her life or whatever. She's halfway helping him because like at the end of the day, it is her dad. But you can kind of tell it's like, I'm only helping you because you are my dad. If I could turn my back and walk away, I would. That's happening while she's dating somebody who. One time when I was in high school, a girl said, this girl said, Roderick might date Shanice, but Shanice don't date Roderick. And what she meant by that was he go with me, but I don't go with him. This character on this show, she go with this man, but this man don't go with her. It later on comes out the logistics behind why that's happening. Um, but all of that is happening simultaneously. She is a therapist who makes money off of like going live on a platform that is very similar to either Instagram or TikTok, where she talks about the different attachment styles and what they mean. The show is like halfway lighthearted and funny, but there are little nuggets of like, this could really be somebody's life. Like it's a really like, hmm. I haven't finished the season. This kind of been my bullshit show of like, I don't really want to pay attention, pay attention, but I want to watch something. This this has been that show. So I don't know how the season ends, but I know her dad got out of jail and it was just like a shit show from that point forward because he is your typical baby boomer parent. So he says things that he has no business saying out loud in public. He also kind of just like goes with the flow like no no phone so you know he go to work and you have no idea what time he gets off so you don't know when you got to pick him up he's calling you from like some random number that you've never seen before well she is like millennial gen x you know age group so she looking at the number like i don't know who this is voicemail 
he's steady calling because he's thinking like, yeah, she's supposed to pick up. She see this number calling. Well, he don't understand. Like it, it's just the age gap is very interesting, but also very funny. He also has like, um, he drops these little nuggets of wisdom on her, which you would get from like, you know, an older parent. But at the same time, he does the things that he's telling her not to do. So it's it's very interesting to witness. But that's that I've been watching that. Y'all should be proud of me. Shoot, I've been watching a lot of stuff compared to last episode. And then last, I've been watching Ghosts, Power Ghosts. Y'all know power is my shit. Now, if I'm being very honest, I every week I forget that power comes out. I, I need them to put power back on Sunday. Power Sundays was a thing, right? We would all, when Power first, you know, came on TV, everybody would wait until 10 o'clock at night to watch it on Stars, And then they started releasing it on the app at midnight. So then we was all staying up to midnight, you know, 12 to 1, we watching. Power comes out on Friday, and the shit be on the app at midnight on Friday. Well, listen, baby, I got to go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. I cannot stay up from 12 to 1 to watch Power on a Thursday night going into a Friday morning. Put this back on Sunday where it belongs. Like, because one, I keep forgetting it It came out. Like, last week, it was probably, like, 11 o'clock Friday night before I realized, like, oh, shit, I ain't watched Power. Power. Y'all know what I mean. Power Ghost. But they need to put that back on Sunday. I don't know why it moved. I Somebody, probably because of Game of Thrones, actually, now that I think about it. Or um, what's the sequel to that? House of the Dragon? Probably because of that. But that's off right now. We can put Power back on Sunday. I need to really look up why they moved this. It's going to bother me. It's already bothering me because I keep forgetting that it came out. Beyond forgetting that it came out, each week I forget what the fuck happened last week. So that's how great that's going. Today is Wednesday. That means power is coming out in 48 hours. What happened last week? I don't know. Let's go look at the Instagram and see. Okay. All right. I do remember. So first of all, I love and hate the writers of power because they are making me root for Kane. And if you watch this show... Kane is supposed to be the villain. He was the villain in season one. He was the villain in season two. Kane is supposed to be the villain. The reason I'm rooting for Kane right now is because he has single-handedly taken control of the entire Tejada empire with blackmail of his dad, which I don't know. I still don't believe Lorenzo is Kane's dad. He might actually be Drew and Diana's dad, but I don't think, I think Kane belongs to somebody else. That's a different conversation. But dude been out here uh, like taking names and not even thinking twice about that shit. He been running up on Brayden, which he been pissing me off. Brayden has always been just a little bit slow. But season three, Brayden is a lot of bit slow. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of bit slow. There needs to be drug dealer for drum dummies 101. I am not a drug dealer, but there's certain shit that I know that you don't do as a drug dealer. Exhibit A, not paying attention to your surroundings. Why the fuck do these people have pictures of you on their cell phone, Brayden? Like, hit it, what I really think they are trying to portray, his white privilege is like seeping out little bit by little bit by little bit. He uses it to his advantage and to his friend's advantage. But it's also just like, ignorance just just complete ignorance on his behalf where like you supposed to be doing this deal okay do the deal and get get out of dodge you do the deal you looking down on your phone texting or whatever bro you can send Kane to text saying it's done from the car these people got a full picture of you now they didn't came up dead you the last picture they took 
what you think that like if I'm a police officer, one plus one is two, my guy. Like, come on, it's gonna connect the dots. Tariq had to save his ass a couple times. Tariq's smart enough to know go in a restaurant, get a receipt to have an alibi. Braden run around throwing up because he don't know how to pull the trigger. Kane is going to shake the shit out of Braden before this show is over with. I don't know what it's going to take to get this innocence out of him, but Kane going to be the one that do it. And Tariq is also going also gonna to lose his shit on Braden when he find out about Lauren. Which, by the way, we need to have a discussion about this witness protection situation with Lauren. This girl is in a mansion. Somehow, she had eyebrows, she had her nails done, her hair was laid, and she was dressed perfectly fine. But she ended up talking about she eating tuna fish out the can. Something is not right. These producers, like, we need, I need more footage of what's happening with Lauren because this don't add up. This girl looked like a regular college student that has money, which she did before she was in witness protection. So how is she hungry if the full glam is, is in motion? Y'all not portraying this right. We, I was expecting Lauren to look like Tasha did when she went to jail. Y'all remember when she had to take the lace front off and they made her pull them lashes off? I was expecting Lauren to look like that. This girl looked just like Paige Heard do on a regular day. Y'all ain't doing something right. Also, Davis is a fucking good actor. AKA Method Man is a fucking good actor. That man, when Monet killed the police officer, he really walked in that house and was like, oh my God, Mrs. Tejada, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He pulled her to the side like, bitch, what the fuck is this? Because, And again, I don't know why they keep letting Monet just be free. Like at this point, Davis know that she don't know how to keep her mouth closed. Lorenzo know that she's still trying to figure out who killed Z. Why do y'all keep just letting her run off by herself? Eventually, she's going to put two and two together and get four. Like, it's not that hard. I understand. Yeah, Kane is holding on to the information, but Monet is not an idiot. It, it ain't going to take much longer for her to put it together. Anyway, I'm getting, y'all, this show, this show gets me hot. Like, the last two episodes I have watched this show, my chest has been tight because I'm like, there is no way. There's just no way between. Brayden pissing me off and Lorenz Tate, that damn councilman Tate. I'm so ready for somebody to pull up on him. He, I think he is actually the villain now. Like we went through the original power series and we all hated Tariq. We all hated Dre. Then we got to power ghost and we was forced to love Tariq because the descendant of James St. Patrick. So, I mean, what other choice do we have? And we learned to hate Kane. Really, Tate has been the problem between both series, and it's just continuously happening over and over and over again. Like, at this point, the way I used to call Carlton, Carlton bitch-ass Banks, Councilman Tate is Councilman bitch-ass Tate. This man literally said, I got this information, Mr. Kingpin, go ahead and drop some money via Bitcoin. Blackmail at its finest happening on campaign grounds. Dude, somebody got to get him. Like I said on, on Instagram, somebody choking with his own damn necktie because I'm tired. Like I, I can't keep seeing him. Every episode, he running up on somebody with a little slick mouth. Nobody has, has thought like, let me just grab him behind the building and shake him one good time. Ain't nobody thought of that shit. Like I need him to run up on Kane so Kane can go ahead and shake some some sense into him because this is not going to work out. And also, little Miss Diana, 
this little boyfriend, we don't need this storyline. I don't know what that's about. We don't need it. We don't need this storyline. Go ahead and cut it. We already keep having to deal with Drew and his failed love affairs and him getting his ass beat every other week because he's also a gullible idiot. We don't need this with Diana and this TA student. It's unnecessary. It's enough of this love triangle storyline situation already happening. I don't care about Diana having a love interest. What I care about is who this lady is with this ring that ran up and chopped off this woman's finger. That's what I care about. What I care about is James St. Patrick dead or alive. I need answers. What I care about is Tariq and them going to be able to get this woman her money by the end of the season. Like this is so much other things that's happening in the power universe that's more relevant than Diana and this little boy. We don't need it. Okay. What we need is Mary J. Blige to go get some more acting skills because her uh grief over Zeke, yeah, no, let's let's cut it. Just let's just cut it because that acting was horrible. I don't know if that was episode one or two, but her crying in that little stairwell, baby, wrap it up. Just go ahead and wrap it up. Okay, so that's everything that I have watched. Now, TV news is a little ghetto. I guess we can start with the the least amount of ghetto-ness. Barbie. There's a Barbie movie coming out on July the 21st. The trailer was released sometime last week. I only saw this because Issa Rae is in the movie. And I saw the post of her um, her headshot above the Barbie logo. So I went and watched the trailer, right? Yeah, I'm confused. So... And a lot of people were sharing this and I get it like nostalgia, like, oh, yay, Barbie. Like I was a Barbie girl. Yeah, I had like the Barbie dream house, had the Barbie airplane. Yeah, I did all that. But I'm I'm concerned and confused. So Ryan Gosling is Ken. And I say Ken in quotation marks because this is where the confusion comes in. In the trailer, that every man was referred to as Ken. I don't know if that's like a running joke, like there was no other male Barbie name. I thought that there were, like, eventually, you know, Barbie decided to come to the 21st century and release a black male Barbie. I don't remember if his name was Ken or if his name was Antoine. Who the fuck knows? Anyway, it's like continuous Ken. Yeah, Ken. And like they're talking to each other, saying, like, yeah, I'll do this to you, Ken. Okay, Ken. Like, it's very weird dialogue because they keep referring to all the men as Ken. That happens, right? Barbie is driving in her car. In her, and it's not the Barbie Jeep, which confused the literal fuck out of me because what what is happening right now? She's driving in her car with Ken in the backseat asking him, do he have his rollerblades? And he's like, yeah, well, they end up at a fucking pool party. I don't, this is weird, Okay. I was expecting for this to be like life size, but better because we are more advanced and we've had more time to plan it. This don't feel like that. This feels very kiddish. Like it's super pink. Again, I understand it's Barbie, but like when I say it's super pink, everything is pink. Barbie's dress is pink. Barbie's car was pink. The umbrellas at the pool was pink. The rollerblades were yellow. But every every other major item was pink. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. Can we make it look more realistic? It literally looks like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Barbie on top of it. Like, I, I am not a fan of the way this looks. I will not be going to see this. Y'all let me know. I'm not going to see this. This is not 
No. And it wasn't enough Issa Rae in the trailer to make me be like, damn, I got to go see it. I don't know where this is going. I'll watch it when it come on TV, but I'm not paying my money to go see this. Because again, this looks like, it looked like it's something for the kids. And I'm here to tell y'all, as a full-grown millennial adult, Barbie is not for the kids. These little motherfuckers got iPads. We had Barbies. That should have been for us, not for them. Like, can we get a redo? Like a real grown-up version of Barbie? She can have some magic. You know, it, that's fine. She can wear pink. Variations of the of the damn color. Not, you know, just hot pink all around. But we millennials, we like pink. They even named the pink after us. The millennial blush. She could be wearing that. They got her in just hot pink all through the whole thing. Maybe give her, you know, let's get her a pink yoga suit. Let's get her a pink dress. Can we give Barbie like a real life with real personality? You know, she could work a nine to five. She's a millennial girl. This is not, I don't know what this movie is, but Barbie should be a millennial girl. She should be working corporate lifestyle, running through the streets of New York. You know, Ken could be, you know, somebody more fine than Ryan Gosling. They could be running through New York, getting coffee at Starbucks or something. What is this? Like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Run it back with lifestyle or leave it life size or leave it alone. I don't like it. Also, Drake is a fucking genius. All right. So, Certified Lover Boy launched, right? And that ugly ass album color cover of all of these pregnant emojis. After Drake did this, every brand, at least in America, it might have been global. I don't know because I got tired of looking at it. Every brand started using it to promote stuff like randomly you would just see the same number of emojis in a row some of them even use the pregnant woman emoji and just put their brand name underneath it it was ridiculous for months and months and months and months okay this barbie rollout did that for like a smooth 48 hours and then it randomly disappeared so barbie launched all of the Barbies had their headshot with the Barbie logo with a fucking pink background. Can y'all tell I'm irritated by this pink? And then like the next day, you started to see brands with their brand name in the Barbie font with the pink background and their product as like the headshot. So I saw this and I was like, oh, we're about to do this all over again. Like, okay, so this is bigger than, you know, I thought it was going to be like, oh, hooray. And then y'all, it disappeared. I don't know. Like, I guess it didn't stick. Uh, y'all a little late to the party with doing it, but I, it didn't stick. But yeah, so people still trying to pattern after this Drake fucking cover art that he made on his iPhone because that you cannot convince me that man didn't make that album cover on his iPhone because that's literally where what it looked like. So they were still trying to, you know, run that back last week. I'm so glad it disappeared. I didn't, I was, I was prepared to mute Barbie on social media because I did not want to keep seeing it over and over and over again. Because again, I don't understand why it looked like a 12 year old movie when it should be for a 28 year old. Like I don't, it, it don't, it don't make sense. Again, these current kids do not play with Barbies, at least not real ones. They might play it on Sims or something, but they do not play with Barbies. Okay, so now this is where everything goes to shit. I'm just warning y'all in advance. It's really about to go to shit. So 
we got three more things to talk about. Don Lemon is losing his shit over at CNN. Losing his shit might not even be right. Because based on the reports, he ain't never had all the marbles from the start. We're going to get there. We got facts to talk about. BET, which links us back to Tyler Perry. And then Freaknik is a whole... Like, the internet right now is divided into two categories. You have people who are analyzing and freaking out about Love is Blind. Okay? That's one audience. You can decide what demographic or what racial group that fits with. I'm not even going to draw that line. Then you got another side of the internet, which splits into two. So you got you got group A, which is your group 1A, Love is Blind. Then you got group 1B. 1B is Freak Me. Then you got 1B-1. 1B is the people who are like, Freaknik documentary is coming out. 1B-1 is all these people who like, oh shit, a Freaknik documentary is coming out. Matter of fact, we're going to start right there. So uh, if you don't know, you know, new slash, uh uh-huh, there's a Freaknik documentary coming out. Hulu announced like, yeah, we got footage. All right, let's pull over pause for a second for the people who don't know what Freaknik is. Freaknik started at some point in the 80s or 90s in the city of Atlanta. It was initially a party for the Divine Nine. Started as a full Greek situation. They would all get together, throw a huge party once in you know the summer every year, go on about their lives. Well, I earlier said that this started at some point in the late 80s, early 90s. Okay, for those of us, as TikTok would say, that were born in the late 1900s, we remember at that time, cell phones were in existence, but cameras were not that great. So with that being said, I just told y'all this is this is a party in Atlanta, right? Well, people was out here, you know, Twerking on motorcycles and thongs and, you know, um, girls was getting like dipped in pools with nothing on. It was just the wildest party you could think of. And then just pour a whole lot of like black culture on top. Okay. So you had, you had before I let you go playing, it was probably about a smooth 89 degrees outside. Possibly going to be a little bit of rain later on, but we, nobody was worried about that. They was worried about partying. You know, a couple of, you know, substances who's being passed around. A lot of people scrolling and, you know, throwing up their various symbols. A lot of babies were made. Yep. Mm-hmm. People would, like, save up their money just to come here for this particular party. Big shit, right? Okay. So, you might be wondering, well, you know, if it's as great as you're making it out, well, what happened? So, Freaknik stopped because... In the later years, this went on, I think, probably like eight, nine years straight. In the later years, it started turning into people would come here to party and end up being sexually assaulted. Now, what I just described, you're talking hundreds of thousands of people in a city that's already, what, like two, three million people at that time? So people come here to these parties get sexually assaulted, well, they can never trace back who was doing it. So, you know, 
first year it happened, it's kind of like rumored going around, like, yeah, so-and-so is sexually assaulted or whatever. Be careful. Kind of like that word of caution, like you, you always have when you go out into like a large crowd or a party or whatever. Okay. Couple years go by, it became a known thing. Like, don't go to freak me. People are being sexually assaulted, specifically women. So that's how that was the demise of the entire movement of freak me. Okay, fully great thing that just went to shit, right? All right. So I told you earlier, you got one B. That's that's the crowd on this side. That's like, hey, freak me documentary coming out. That's just, those are your people that like work at Hulu. That's like you know Jermaine Dupree. And anybody else who's producing this. And then there's anybody else who has footage that has sold the footage to Hulu. All of those people are like, yeah, documentary coming out. About to show y'all what used to take place in the 90s in Atlanta. Okay, so they, you know, it sounds exciting, right? So that 1B-1 group, most of them fall, they probably like GNX in age, right? So they looking at this and they like, fuck, we thought we were safe. Because no cameras you know, at that time. So now people are on social media and it's like, y'all about to see y'all mama twerking because that's what was taking place. Or are you about to find out, you know, other things that took place at Freak Neek were also filmed that might be on here. So you got Gen X who was at Freak Neek that's like, shit, all of my, you know, partying days that my husband or my wife don't know about is about to be on TV. I don't know who is selling what footage. So I don't know if I'm going to be in the documentary. So you got, they flipping out. Meanwhile, millennials, we think the shit funny. Some of us, because millennials is a split group too. You got half of them that's like, damn, like for real, my mama might have been on a, in a thong twerking on the back of a motorcycle in downtown Atlanta in 1993. Like, I'm about to find out, you know, she might have been at this party. Then you got another group, which I personally classify as. I think the shit funny because I, I know that neither one of my parents was at this shit. So it's going to be a very interesting time. There's this one lady that has gone viral um, because she made a video basically saying like, she pretty sure that, you know, it's some footage of her and she don't know. If it's going to end up in this documentary, she's fully married with kids. Her husband has no idea that she used to be at Freak Meek every single year. It's going to be a, it's going to be a very eventful time y'all when this documentary documentary is released. So far, uh, there is no release date. Please believe I am refreshing the page every day. Cause when it drops, baby, we on here, we on here. Cause I need to know more. Okay. I, I really need to know what happened. Growing up, I've always heard of Freak Me. People talked about it. And then when I moved to the South, people talked about the foot wash, which is basically like the Alabama version of the Freak Me. What I didn't know is that Freak Me originally started with the Divine Nine. Hulu has named the documentary Freak Me, the wildest party never told, because that's what it is. It was always like this whisper of like, shit be insane in Atlanta for Freak Me. But Again, this was during the time when nobody had camera phones. Like all of this footage that you see on TikTok and Instagram of people partying now, like it's a common thing to get on somebody's Instagram story and you see them in the middle of the club. That's like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. They were partying twice as hard because nobody was recording. So it's even more wild shit that was taking place than what takes place today 
because people would have a good time and go home. And then it was he sh- he say, she say at that point, like you could go do a split and twerk in the middle of the club and get up and be in macroeconomics at 8 a.m. And people think like you're the most studious person because there was no footage of it. Well, now apparently, you know, it's footage. So this gonna be a, this gonna be a good one. I, I can't wait because, again, I have heard about this my whole life. And Freaknik technically was rebranded. I don't know if they would like the connection being made, but truly enough, it was rebranded into Atlanta Greek Picnic, which is called AGP, which happens every year, I think, in May. Same thing, but I think it's a little bit more control. The Divine Nine has full control of AGP. Like, a regular person can't even get into AGP. Where Freaknik, at some point, they just started letting general population or as as we used to say at alabama uh those goddamn independents they started letting them in and then shit went left so i yeah this gonna be this gonna be a good one uh the daily mail wrote an article about it it says a hulu documentary about atlanta's infamous freaknik festival in the 90s sparked panic among gen xers over not safe for work footage coming back to hunt them that's exactly what this is so the generation that used to tell us, stop putting everything online. They're going to find it. They're going to find it. Well, they found it. So, yeah, we'll be waiting on that one. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about who is buying BET. I don't even know if that's even as juicy as everything else that I had on here. But somehow BET is up for grabs. Now, I don't really know. I guess Viacom was like, fuck it. We're not making no money. I could have told them that. B, I have thoughts about BT that could take up an entire episode. Running reruns of Martin, and now that Tyler Perry has stake in BT, running reruns of House of Pain is not going to make BT a profitable TV channel. Like, I'm not watching Martin. I understand that at a certain point, BT target audience was Generation X, so Martin made sense. Generation X don't even watch BET. So that means y'all need to be trying to figure out how do you capture at the very least millennials, but if you're really smart, how do you capture Generation Z? BET is not active on TikTok. If they are, they're not doing a great job. Again, running those reruns, Generation Z is not watching Martin. There is no like black news that comes on BET. Y'all run the same exact movies every single Sunday. We have seen Baby Boy... Medea's family reunion and fucking Friday, 37,000 times. Throw it out the window. It's time to get something else. Like as T-Pain once said, do something else. Like this is not, it's not going to make sense, but it's now up for grabs to be bought. So it hasn't been black owned for quite some time, like over 20 plus years. So Tyler Perry and Byron Allen are the top two that's in the runnings to buy BET. At a certain point, Diddy was also in the conversation, but I don't know if like, you know, he was like, hey, you know, y'all are above me. So let me just go ahead and jump out. I don't really know what happened with that. But as of April 7th, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the AG, the AJC, uh, wrote saying that Tyler Perry and Byron Allen were the last two in a battle for BET. So Byron Allen, if the name don't ring a bell, is the guy that actually owns the Weather Channel. Now let's Again, we got to pull over. I was today years old when I learned that the Weather Channel was owned by a black man. Had no idea. So this is your uh, little little nugget of information. You know, you learn something on the PA podcast. 
is owned by Byron Allen, who is bidding between him and Tyler Perry to own BET. It makes sense. Um, Byron buying BET will give him a little bit more leverage in uh, cable TV because that'll give him two major channels. Now, hopefully he buy BET and do something with it because otherwise, again, it's a dying channel. Like I don't, there's nothing happening over there. Why would Tyler Perry want this? Well, it makes sense. He already owned a large portion of their uh, stock. So Tyler Perry, I think, actually owns most of BET Plus, which if I have, first of all, I have never opened BET Plus as an app. But from what I understand, BET Plus is 90% Tyler Perry shows. And if you ever wanted to go watch any of the old Tyler Perry plays, like I ain't talking about the ones where he had like real money. I'm talking about like back in the day where the microphones used to be connected to their wig on their forehead. And they used to sing, you know, the ones that everybody was bootlegging, like everybody had a DVD of Tyler Perry play. Those plays are on BET Plus and it's the only place you can go watch them. So Tyler Perry is trying to buy BET, the network, I guess, to catapult all of his TV shows being like on their own channel, kind of like Oprah with own, but he want to do it with something that's already been, that already has an audience. Personally, I think Tyler Perry buying BET and putting all of Tyler Perry's work on BET is going to kill the channel even faster. But that's just my take on it. I guess we got to wait to see who buy BET. Um, I would like to see it be Black-owned again. I would. I would like to see it be Black-owned, but I also would like to see them do a better job. BET needs to go back to their roots and figure out where it went left. And if they have no idea the time frame where things started to go left, I can raise my hand and I can give this for free. When y'all took AJ and Free off of 106 in part, things were crumbling at BET around that time frame. AJ and Free left 106 in part. Then y'all stopped doing things uh, like the Spring Fling and, and being at the Battle of the Bands. There's no one right now, there's no TV station right now that covers college football for HBCUs or college basketball for HBCUs. That is an open fucking market. You had perfect time to capitalize on it would have been when Deion Sanders was at Jackson state. They were like top of the game. Everybody wanted to know what is he doing over there? What's happening? BET should have been over there with a camera crew. What happened to those, those times when y'all was going to the HBCUs and actually capturing that footage of what was happening on those campuses? BET stopped doing it and nobody picked it up. It's unfair. It's an open market. Why are we leaving it on the table? And it's not like y'all don't have the money for it. The, the fucking channel been running, I, I think since 1957. Like shit, y'all had enough time to figure it out. And AJ and Free been off 106 and Park since a smooth like 2003. Again, that's 20 years ago at this point. Enough time to figure it out. So if y'all need to go back and figure out where it went wrong, it was somewhere around that time frame. And I'm not saying throw out all of the old TV shows. No, but you can mix it up with some variety. You know, throw a little Jamie Foxx show up in there. Throw some the Bernie Mac show, the Steve Harvey show. We'll take all of that. We just don't want to see 17 episodes of Martin in one day. Like, bro, I, I would love to turn on BET and that'd be the only channel I watch every day. But I'm not trying to watch Martin say stupid shit all day. Like, that's just, it's not working. Like, it's not working. If it was, y'all wouldn't be in the predicament that y'all are in. So somebody needs to run it back. We need, by the way, hold on. By the way, this reminds me. The Breakfast Club is about to be on BET starting next Monday, 9 a.m. 
Charlemagne and DJ Envy would be on BET. Okay, that's a good, good. That's a good start. I like that. I don't care for the Breakfast Club, but that's a good start. Put that on there. But also, Charlemagne is not a fucking journalist. Okay, let's just let's get it clear. I understand people listen to the Breakfast Club and that's where they get their news. That man is more oftentimes wrong than right when reporting on politics. So that being said, it's fine to have a pop cultural show, a pop cultural podcast. That's fine. That's wonderful. We need a Don Lemon or a TJ Holmes for like the seven o'clock news, eight o'clock news. Somebody, a real fucking reporter with a real reporting team with real people who study politics with real lawyers and real police officers to assess issues to actually run a real news broadcast. We cannot just put the Breakfast Club at 9 a.m. and be like, okay, we got a news segment, let's stamp it, we, we good. No, I'm telling y'all right now, that is not a good idea. That The Breakfast Club is a wonderful segment, nice little hee-hee-ha-ha, but somebody need to fact check Charlemagne if that's going to be the only news station y'all put up there. Fact check him and also... Go ahead and pull him to the side. Got to have that little uncomfortable conversation. Uncomfortable uncomfortable conversation being, if you are going to be a news reporter, I understand that all news stations have a little bit of bias. Yes, most of them do a better job of covering it up than others. Yes, but Charlemagne, you cannot get up here and say wild shit like, where has Kamala Harris been? That's your job to tell us. You the reporter. So you can't just get up here and just ask random questions like that. If, if people come into this show to, you know, be caught up on news. Okay, I'm not saying Kamala Harris is like greatest vice president of all time. That's not the point. The point is, if you're going to be the reporter on news, you have to tell us where Kamala Harris has been. You can't get up here and say crazy shit. Don't get up here asking why Joe Biden failed. My brother, that's what I'm asking you. I'm, I'm listening to your show to find it out too. Like I saw the meme. I'm waiting on you to explain it to me. That's the point. Okay, so Don Lemon, right? Speaking of news, TV reporters, and black men. Don Lemon been showing his whole entire ass at CNN. And allegedly, this has been going on for multiple years, but I, it's coming to a head. Somebody, somebody in the current management of CNN wants Don Lemon fired. How do I know this? First of all, they took Don Lemon. Nope, that wasn't first. First of all, Don Lemon used to do the New Year's Eve show with Anderson Cooper. They used to let Don Lemon get totally fucked up. That was literally why people watched it. Just You could just see the progression throughout the night. It would be like normal sentences making sense. So Don Lemon would go from complete sentences to slurring and laughing and just, I mean, visibly drunk on CNN on New Year's Eve. Okay, that's been going on for multiple years. Him, Anderson Cooper, and Andy Cohen. Several years, right? So let's go back to I said somebody trying to get him fired. Maybe like two years ago? I don't think it was this last New Year. So maybe New Year's coming into 2022. Don Lemon got so fucked up on this New Year's Eve show that he was twerking in Louisiana. Okay, so... After that, CNN released a statement saying, like, there will be no more alcohol on the set of this news broadcast. And basically that they would start policing the content, right? 
the rest of America was fine with it. We thought it was funny. It was like, yeah, we want that version of Don Lemon. Run that back. We'll take that. They was like, nope. Okay, so that's number one, right? Number two, Don Lemon has had his own show on CNN for several years, like plus five years, possibly plus 10 years. He was uh, CNN Tonight with Don Lemon. Then he was just Don Lemon. And then it was Don Lemon Tonight. So again, all of this keyword tonight, Don Lemon would get on, run a two hour segment after Chris Cuomo. That would be that. Don Lemon has been in place for several breaking news stories on CNN. All of a sudden this year, they was like, oh, we got to shake some shit up. They put Don Lemon on the morning show. So several years, he was a night broadcaster. Then all of a sudden, instead of putting him like in a normal daytime hour, no, they put him on from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. where he is co-anchoring with Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins. Don Lemon is not a morning person. That was the running joke when this morning show first started. Don Lemon would get on with his coffee cup. They would be making cracks like, Don, you're awake. And he's like, oh, I'm trying to get there. Or he would make little sly remarks of like, Still trying to adjust to having to be up so early. It was very, very telling. Like, you could tell he was not a morning person, right? Again, they trying to get him fired. Maybe like a month or so ago, it comes out in the news that Don Lemon has... No. Nikki Haley announced that she would be running for president. And Don Lemon says on this morning show some shit about her not being in her prime. Okay, that's highly problematic. He ended up having to release an apology to women in general. I don't think the apology was written directly to Nikki Haley, but to women in general of saying like uh, his remarks were just unprofessional. He should have never said them. He understands how it attacks a certain group, yada, yada, yada. Okay. That happens, right? So after that happens, I guess everybody was like, uh, this now is our time. This is our time right here. Okay. It turned into what happened with TJ Holmes, but not in the relationship sexual assault category. This turned into everybody has a Don Lemon story of him being a monster to them. Caitlin Collins, around the same time frame that Don made these comments about Nikki Haley, she reported that he made her cry. This was like, Maybe a week apart from each other. Okay. So Don makes Caitlyn cry. CNN suspends Don Lemon for like two days. Okay. So in these two days, no Don Lemon on this morning show. All right. Fast forward beyond that. Now Variety has written in in proper terms an article. In real life human terms. This is a Harry Potter fucking novel about how Don Lemon has been a monster since 2008 on CNN. He has sent, allegedly, threatening text messages to other anchors on CNN, made very misogynistic comments on on and off air, okay? One of the text messages that he sent um, was to his co-host, who was unnamed, and it's, the text message was anonymously sent while this co-host was out of the United States. 
but the message said that this person was going to pay for taking his spot in a breaking news segment. Don Lemon is out of control, okay? Since then, since this variety novel that has come out, Don Lemon has said he is going to sue, right? So he he is allegedly going to sue. Several networks have reached out trying to get comments from him and CNN. They are both declining to like say anything. So he's allegedly going to sue Variety because he is stating that all of this information is false. Now, it is important to point out, other than the person that he sent the threatening text messages to, there are several other stories of which Don Lemon has shown his natural ass at CNN. And all of these people were like, hey, you can use my first and last name. Like when I say several people, it's like six or seven different women where they have first and last name and they have the, the name of the sources that gave this information. I say all that to say, typically, if somebody is lying on you, they don't want their name to be involved. Most of the time, like if I tell a lie, I'd be like, yeah, but don't tell them I said it. You can just tell them you heard it or you, they said, you know, he said, she said. No, 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 no. Variety has first and last names of several people that have worked at CNN. I don't know where it's about to go, but Don Lemon is looking real Chris Cuomo, real TJ Holmes-like right now. I don't, I, I give it a smooth three, four more months, and he might be about to pack his shit. And that's real messed up, because Don Lemon been on CNN for a long-ass time. For a minute, he was the only black face on CNN for a long-ass time. He might be on his way out the door, which... You know, people got different thoughts on that because some some of the black population dislikes Don Lemon. I understand it, and and others are like, you know, we'll take it. We we appreciate having at least one black person on the show. I want him to get his shit together. Personally, I like Don Lemon at night, especially after twenty twenty. Something happened in the George Floyd protest time frame that Don Lemon started showing his ass in a good way. He was getting in good trouble on CNN. He was saying all the things that we were thinking. But this, with these ridiculous remarks and threatening people, sir, sir, you have to calm it down. This too much. You got too much of a known name and face to get out here and act like this now. Like you are not untouchable. You have to calm it down. Also, before I go, um, we have a new Monique update. So, as of like um, an hour ago. Monique is now suing CBS and Paramount over the Parker's royalties. So, first of all, her freaking Instagram name is the real Mo Worldwide. We're going to move on. She posted an Instagram press release that says, Today we filed a lawsuit to make sure that we are fairly paid money that we were owed for the Parker's. Who is we? I'm, I'm assuming it means her, her, her and the husband. I don't know. Actors rely on the good faith of Hollywood companies to honor their profit participation agreements. The Parkers was a huge success and continues to be a source of revenue through syndication and streaming channels. To further make my point, the executive producers of the Parkers took legal action for the same concerns that I have, and they have already settled. Unfortunately, all too often, talent, talent gets kept in the dark. We look forward to shedding some light on the subject. I love us for real. All right, so does this mean in like... Two years, she gonna have another show on CBS and Paramount. I don't. The track record scares me a little bit because last time this happened, it was with Netflix, and we talked about earlier how she now is on Netflix. Somebody gotta figure out what the fuck is happening with Monique. Oh, get your ass in and that's right. I, 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 I.